it take for you to believe something? Does it take something tangible, something you can see and feel? What if it's taken away from you or disappears? Does the memory of it fade? Now you're living on faith, aren't you? Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. What will it take for you to believe is the title of our message out of John chapters 20 and 21. Our series is called Life Forever in Christ. And we're looking at faith. It's an encouraging look at God's love for us. Here with today's broadcast of Truth For Today Now, our teacher and pastor. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. First part of the chapter, you have this miraculous catching of fish. And it's quite interesting that seasoned fishermen can't even catch fish anymore unless Jesus is with them. Jesus shows up, tells them where to cast the net, and they catch fish. Uh, But he goes to shore, and he makes breakfast for them. I don't know about you. If you advertise breakfast with Jesus, could you imagine? Uh, 40 days after whatever, his resurrection, uh, say breakfast with Jesus. I, I just, and, and he's the cook. Uh, picture that. Sea of Galilee where he started with many of these men. And uh, he's got the fire going. And then we come uh, to this man named Peter. And he's met with Peter uh, twice before. This is the third time he appears to them. But according to Corinthians, he met with Peter by himself once. Uh, we're never told what they discussed. We don't know. There's no, Peter never mentions. He just says, the Lord appeared to me. Uh, uh, so what was discussed, what was uh, repented of, who knows? Uh, but here's the third time he shows up with the seven men that are probably there. And uh, obviously, Peter doesn't know if he's got a future. Uh, it's one thing to be forgiven by God. It's another thing to know if God still trusts you to use you. And so, we're not sure what's, what's going to happen here. But let's read the narrative. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Now, this was the name, the old man. He renamed him Peter, but now he's going to his own name. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. 
But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death. He wasn't just predicting old age and inability to care for yourself. He's predicting his death. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who had been reclining at table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Uh, it's very interesting as we ask the question, maybe the most, one of the most important questions, same as have you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, what's scary about that, look at John 8 before we get into this. John uh, 8 Verse 42, Jesus is telling the religious leaders and the people of his day, uh, if you were Abraham's children, you wouldn't want to kill me. If you really were in the line of faith of Abraham, you wouldn't want to kill me. But they did want to kill him. Then he says to them, they say to him, well, we were not born of sexual immorality. What are they inferring? You're an illegitimate child of Mary. We have one Father, even God, Jesus said to them. Notice, if God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. That means every one of us at one time, it could be said we did not love God because God was not our Father. He may have had you know, you may have a religious background. You might have said, I wasn't an atheist. Uh, I just didn't want to go to church. But he says in Romans 5, not only were we sinners, ungodly, and weak, but he said, while we were enemies of God, and the word, word for enemies there is active hostility, while we hated God. And that's hard for us because when you look at the introduction here, the Shema of Israel, which is a Hebrew word for hear. Hear, O Israel, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And that was right out of Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear. So the greatest thing in the world for Israel, love me, love me. Jesus comes along. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your being and to love your neighbor as yourself. Guess what? We categorize sin all the time. Uh, adultery, killing, stealing. We've got all these categories. The greatest sin we commit is we don't love God more than anything else. That's the greatest sin. Luther said, out of all the commandments, 
The one that gave birth to all the other sins is the first commandment. You shall love the Lord thy God and have no other gods before you. And Luther said, once you, all sin is the breaking of the first commandment. You said, my sin comes before my God. I want to do my thing, and I don't love God for right now. I may come back, I may repent, but right now, I choose to disobey him. And he said, the breaking of that first commandment is the breaking of the rest. If you don't love God, don't worry, you can break all the other commandments. The greatest commandment is to love God and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So, you see how unloving we are by nature. And uh, sometimes you'll, you'll be troubled by people that don't seem to love you. Don't, don't get all upset. They don't love God. It would be easy maybe not to love you. You're flawed. You've got failures. You've got, you know, weaknesses. Uh, and they could pick you apart. But this God's perfect. There's nothing wrong with him. He's wonderful. He's glorious. And you can't love him? It's a strain. He said in Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to judge you, Israel, because in prosperity you didn't find the joy in your heart to love me. Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to, I'm going to bring persecution and pain on you because you didn't enjoy me even when I prospered you. So you see these different verses. He says in 1 Corinthians, if you do not love the Lord Jesus Christ, then he just says, anathema. You're under a divine curse if you are not finding your heart loving Jesus. It's right there. Uh, life is worthless if you're not loving. If I speak in the tongue of men and angels and have not love, it profits nothing. If I offer my body to be burned, that looks pretty good to me, it profits nothing. What, what do I have to have working in me? The love of God. The love of God. So, here we come to the narrative. And we, uh, we have a failing man. Now, this is what scares me about this narrative. How much you can fail God while claiming to love him. Did you know that the Bible said David was a man after God's own heart, even after the adultery? and the murder after he said that. Now, you, you know, you, you'd say that's true before when God calls him from take care of sheep. Yeah, then he did. God never took that away from him. It's there. By the way, let, I want, hear me, hear me, hear, hear me, hear me. See this book? There are hardly no human heroes in it. Ancient history of other cultures is always showing you the, hero, the Greek heroes. Uh, the battle of the Trojan horse and the battle for Troy. And, and let me tell you these great war. Now, let me tell you something about this book. This book is the history of failing people that God in grace helped. Uh, oh, oh I, I just finished the book of uh, Second Kings. And you know what I'm doing when I'm reading through there? I'm thinking, good boy, good boy, good. Keep on, keep on. Don't fail. I've already read about five kings that bailed out. And I get up here with Josiah and Jehoshaphat. Please, please keep trying. And then they'll make an alliance right towards the end. And, 
uh, they've trusted God, but, and then they make an alliance, and so God disciplines them, and every one of them fail. Solomon, this is what the wisest man in the world can do. I don't want wisdom then. You mean a thousand women? That's what a wise man does? I'm going to sing that blues song. Give me a woman I could easily afford. <laughs> a thousand women. Man, I don't hardly know what to do with one. And then you add three daughters. I don't need any more women. A thousand. Because he's building alliances. And he went after their gods. He was an utter failure. Saul? How about Saul? You want to be Saul? Humble in his own eyes. What about Uzziah? He said, Uzziah, I could use you, but I blessed you so much you got proud. And you went in and said, I don't need any priest to represent me. Reached out his hand and became a leper. Hey, king, you better stay within your boundaries. And he died a leper, quarantined. This is one of the great, he, he reigned 58 years over Israel. And you say, Where, where's the heroes? God's the hero of history. God even works with people like you. You would think God could do a better job picking people than picking us. Oh, that's hard on your ego. I know. I know you're a wonderful catch. Most of us weren't wonderful catches. He said, I didn't pick the mighty. I didn't pick the wisest. I didn't pick the strongest. I chose the weak. I chose the foolish. I chose the nothings of this world because I didn't want any men to take credit for it. I wanted me to get all the glory, so I chose the weak things to confound the wise. And all the wise folks says, that's just a religion for a bunch of ignorant folks. They're not too sophisticated. He says, you know what? We aren't, but he is. He's the wisdom of the ages. Now, he's talking to this failing man, and they ask him three times. You see, he denied. He had said to the men in the upper room, if all these guys bail out on you, you can count on me. So in front of them, he wants to have the discussion. Uh, do you love me more than these? Not the fishing nets. Not more than the brothers. Uh, unless it, do, are you so loving the brothers? No, do you love me more than James and John? And, and he no more will compare himself. He doesn't use any of that. He just simply says, yes, Lord. And finally, he punts to this. The only one who really knows if you love Jesus is Jesus. He's the only one. Now, he's asking you this morning, and he's asking me. I want to ask you one question. Not will you teach for me. Not will you die for me. Not will you give an offering. Just one basic thing. Do you love me? Do you love me? And on what basis do you say you love him? And Peter is stripped. No comparison. No big pledges. He simply says, you alone know. And obviously, the Lord Jesus saw in this failing man that he's restoring and recommissioning that even in the midst of his failure and his fear on that crucifixion night, 
when he was scared to death for his life, he panicked, he fled, he denied. Jesus had said in Luke 22, you're going to bail out on me tonight, but I'm going to be praying for you. And when you're restored, Peter, I want you to go strengthen your brethren. And so this is a failing man. And uh, I don't know where you are today. You may have landed here having failed him this past week. Maybe you landed wondering if God is through with you. Wondering if there's any future use for you. Well, Peter is here to encourage us. God is patient beyond measure. God is kind beyond measure. And he gives failing men and women a thousand different opportunities to show their love for him. And so he says to him, and I want to look at just eight ways and verses that I put in the notes that this love could be manifested. What does he say? Peter, if you love me, where does he start? He says, take care of these sheep. Feed them, tend them. Take care of my people. Isn't that amazing? Here, a failing man is assigned to take care of other believers. And he's told in Acts, you elders, take the oversight of the flock of God and protect it from the wolves. First Peter, when he writes in First Peter 5, you elders, guard the flock of God. Don't lord it over them. Be good to them. Care. It is an amazing thing that God takes failing men to take care of his failing people. I want to know when Peter quit being a sheep. Did he get promoted to being a shepherd and quit being a sheep? I can't hear you. You, you don't know how to talk, do you? Talk back to me. I wake up. Get some more coffee. When I ask a rhetorical question, you've got to know when I want you to. Did, did he quit being a sheep? I grew up a lot of times, guys, would talk about my church, my flock, my, 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 my. Preachers can do that, you know. This is my flock. This is my place. What's, what's my about it? Valley is not my flock. It's his flock. I can just pass off the scene, and I'll tell you how much I'll be missed. Just put your finger in a bucket of water and pull it out. That's how much I'll be missed. You'll get another pastor and keep on, because I am not the head of the church. I never bought any sheep. But my daddy said one day, I was come home, I was quoting all these wonderful theological pastors, my flock, my this, and my dad just said, stop, stop it. I said, what is it? He said, you preachers act like us sheep belong to you. When did you become the shepherd? When did you boys lay down your life? You're taking care of sheep for Jesus. You don't own these people. I can't hear you. I just had a cold. My ears kind of blocked, old age. Now, this is weird. I'm a sheep. Who shepherds me? Lord. But, Lord, I'm a failing sheep. I got lots of problems, too. They don't believe it because I look good Sunday morning. 
I don't get up there and tell him all my faults. You've already publicized them. But he wants a fallen sheep to take care of sheep. That's what he says. Would you trust Peter with sheep? You would? Well, okay. I'm glad. There's some guys taking care of sheep. Nobody was safe before they met Jesus. They'd steal everything they'd get their hands on. But, but he, he changes men, doesn't he? I was with a man this week for lunch telling me all the woes and trouble he went through, 59 years of age, and, and wants to study, be a pastor, and this and that. And if you only knew all the trouble he's been through, all the wrong choices, all the mistakes, I think, surely God doesn't have anything for him to do at 59. He's flubbed up and failed too much. But see, Jesus is the only one that can restore a man. Take care of my sheep. Um, shepherd them, Peter. And he did the rest of his life. You know, one of the hard things uh, to get, especially if you don't have any kinfolks around you, I think of my daughter back in Carolina, Elizabeth, uh, there's some of his family there, but like in their babysitting situation, it's hard to get a babysitter. They don't want strangers babysitting. Do you know what I mean, mothers? They don't want just anybody coming in the house and taking care of their children. So sometimes they take the kids everywhere, and we're not going to risk our kids. Now, can you imagine Jesus saying, I'm going back to heaven, Peter, and I'm going to trust you to take care of my children. Somebody watches over his flock. And uh, could there be any greater trust God could ever put in Peter than saying, take care of my people? You know, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, we ought to have the same care for one another. The same. Well, this isn't the, a papal assignment. He's not making him the pope. Because he goes over to 1 Peter and says, you ought to shepherd the flock. He goes over to Acts 20, you ought to shepherd the flock. And it wasn't just a papal prerogative. He never did become a pope. He became a shepherd. Elders are the shepherd. Take care of my people. See, when you love Jesus Christ, you will care about his people. Because the more you love Christ, the more of that love will overflow onto his people. You hear some people say, I love Jesus, I just can't stand Christians. I love Jesus, I can't stand church. Well, there's a good reason. Jesus is easy to love. Christians are sometimes cantankerous. Christians sometimes act like goats. They don't always act like sheep. You get in the sin nature, there's no telling what any of us are liable to do. Jesus is wonderful. His sheep get dirty. His sheep get hungry. His sheep go wayward. It's a lot of work to take care of a flock. Taken from John, chapters 20 and 21, our series is called Life Forever in Christ. 
It's the epilogue based out of John 20 and 21. The entire series available for a donation of $10 or more when you contact us here at Truth For Today. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. If you would like to contact us to obtain a copy of today's program, or if you would like to donate $10 or more for the entire series, you can do so by calling 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. Suite 278, that's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Again, that's 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code 94547. If you'd like to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our service times are at 9 and 11. Directions and more information are available on our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. Or simply call 855-833-9864. And please, remember that this is a listener-supported ministry. Through your donations and your generous support financially and prayerfully, we're able to continue this ministry here on KFAX. We look forward to partnering with you as we continue the ministry of God's Word and the Gospel of Christ here in the Bay Area. If you'd like to know more about how you can participate, help, and be a part of the ministry, feel free to call us at 855-833-9864 or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org, and drop us an email. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Hercules.